Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good ground, and produces good fruit in your lives. Today, oh my gosh, y'all, we are at episode 50. Oh my goodness. Yo. We are at episode 50 of season four. I I can't believe we got here. Baby, listen, pull me up a bed and let me sleep in it, okay? <laughs> because I can't believe we got here and um, and we still got the rest of the season to go, but at least we halfway through. And I hope that you guys have been enjoying this time with me as I've been enjoying it with you. I have been just so thankful and grateful to God for choosing me to not only deliver a word, but just choosing me so that others can learn some things and so I really do pray that all of you out there wherever you are in the world that you are learning you're gleaning some things um you have some moments to laugh and and just kick back and enjoy this message um but it's like a good meal that's my prayer I hope it's a good meal for you so that like when you sit down and you like okay this looks good and then you start getting into it and it may take some work while you eating it but you like, but this is just, oh, this is so good. It's just so good. It's just so good. And when you're done, you're like, oh, I'm full. Because that was so stinking good. Okay. That is my hope and prayer. Um, and I also pray that you won't just be hearers of the word, but that you'll be doers of the word as well. Because that's what God calls us to do. And so, um, and I pray that whatever you are going through right now, that in this moment, when you come onto the Agents of Revival podcast, it is your beckoning cry from God or call, a clearing call that God sends out to you that says, be still my child in my presence. Let me speak a word to you. Let me encourage your soul. Let me strengthen your heart. And so this is my prayer that you will receive exactly what you need in this moment. I pray that I will be decreased, Lord, so that you may be increased in the hearts, minds, and ears of your children. I pray that those with ears will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And I pray that the enemy will not snatch this word, but that this seed will fall on good ground, produce good fruit in the lives and hearts of your children, Heavenly Father. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So, we are talking today about protect your purity. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know when you hear the word purity, your mind probably goes to something sexual. But we ain't talking about that today. Uh-uh. Nope. We're not talking about that today. I'm going to talk about a different form of purity. Um, Because, I mean, yes, the Bible does talk about sex and it does talk about purity and that aspect. Um, but baby, you probably been beat up the head to death with that. And I'm not even going to go there with that. Plus this ain't the season we talk about relationships. So we going to slide that on to the side right now. And we're going to focus about protecting the purity of your faith, because that is what the enemy is after. Because if he can attack your faith, if he can attack what you believe in who God says you are, what you believe in who God is, what you believe in the promises and purposes that God has for your life. If he can attack you there, then he got you. He can attack you anywhere else in your life. Once you let down your guard of integrity and character and standard in Christ Jesus, once you let down your guard of following the... um the straight and narrow path that God has laid out for you. Once you let go your guard, even just a moment, the enemy will come and snatch the seed away. And so you got to be on guard. Remember, I've been teaching that a while now uh, about what it says in, uh, I think it's first Peter. Um, I think it's first Peter chapter five, what he says, stand, be, be alert, stand on guard because your adversary, the enemy, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God doesn't want you to be devoured. 
And so he says it through Peter, but he says it many times throughout the entire Bible for us to stand guard, to be vigilant, excuse me, not vigilant, to be diligent, <laughs> to be diligent in praying, to always pray without ceasing, to always be on alert. Because even Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 that the spirit is willing or Matthew 26, Matthew 26, he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so when you understand that though your spiritual side of you may want to, um, you know, stand your guard for Jesus and, and shout out loud and show your faith, your flesh is weak. And so to give an example of this would be you ever, um, leave your house, for example, cause we, you know, we all go through this every morning, <clears throat> excuse me, just about. And so you leave your house in the morning and you could be having a good morning. I mean, just everything went right for you that morning before you got the house so that you, you felt good. Um, you know, for those that are coffee drinkers, you got your favorite coffee in your hand. You just sipping there, having a good old time. You probably heard something to listen to on the radio or you listen to the Ages of Revival podcast. Hey, <laughs> or, um, you listen to your favorite song or whatever it is, but you're just feeling good that morning. And then all of a sudden, baby. Here comes somebody with some drama. Here comes somebody with some stuff. Here comes somebody trying to cut you off in traffic. Here comes somebody being rude to you at work or at the bus stop or at the train station. I mean, just here comes somebody with some stuff, child. And then you like, you know what? Now, I was feeling good. Uh-huh. I really was. But I'm about to tell you off. Okay, because I just, I feel it bubbling up in me. I mean, it's, it's like a belch. It's hard to kind of suppress it because I really want to get it out of me because you about on my last nerve already and it's not even 8 o'clock in the morning, baby. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, you have those moments. And see, it's those moments where you weren't even on guard. You didn't even know the enemy was about to attack you in that moment. You didn't even know that God's about to send a test your way through the enemy working through somebody else. In that moment, or it could be a test that God sent your way over something you've been praying about. So, for example, for those that um, I know somebody who um, is a mother of a young child and this person told me she's like, oh, I pray for peace and um, and I pray for patience. Well, baby, when your baby get, when your baby gets up in the morning, here comes your baby testing that patience, testing that peace. And so. What you pray for is God working on your heart, but it's going to come in a different form. It may not look like the way you thought it was going to come. See, a lot of times we pray for things to go all hunky-dory and we think that it's going to come that way. But a lot of times God may send a storm, but it's in that storm to teach you that there is perfect peace in him. That there, that you don't have to worry about anything because even though you're in a storm, he's there with you. And so the boat is not going to sink. The boat is not going to topple over of your life. You're not going to drown in this mess because God is with you. It's just him showing you how he's with you in a different light. But there are times where the enemy comes to attack you because we learn in John 10, 10 that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And so if you know that there's something that is robbing you, not not like it is in Proverbs where iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I think that's Proverbs 27. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a situation where you know is robbing every ounce of your peace, your joy, your happiness. It's robbing um, your self-discipline and control that you have mastered um, prayerfully. If you've been applying these messages and these principles that I've been releasing to you every day, then you have been working on guarding your tongue, guarding your heart so that it doesn't speak death. It speaks life because we learned that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you've been monitoring and watching how you speak to people, how you react to people or interact with people. And then here comes somebody trying to take and snatch what you've been working on. You know you've been working on yourself now. Come on, sis. Come on, bro. You know you've been working on yourself. But here comes somebody trying to work on that last nerve. I mean, that last nerve that was holding on by a thread, baby. I mean, it's about to snap. And he was like, ooh, God, please get me through. Because I'm about to go gun-ho. I saw King Kong on this person. Yeah. See, it's, it's those moments where the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
because there's something that you've been working on that you've been getting better in and you know that God's been strengthening you in that area but here he comes to snatch it away because he doesn't want you to accomplish the goal that God has for you I don't just mean the grand commission that we all have of making disciples but even the goal that you may set for yourself to just be a better person to just be a better servant for God to just be a better child of God and so it's those moments that I'm talking about in this message today where you got to protect your purity you got to be on guard with your faith because you never know when the enemy is going to strike and you never know notice i'm saying enemy but it's also uh um uh a oh what's the word i want to use uh, a pun on words if you will because i'm saying enemy but it's also inner me you never know when the inner you when those thoughts may come up when you thought you had something under control remember i talked last season on trigger on a trigger series you thought you had something in control you thought you mastered it you thought you healed from it and then all of a sudden it just pops up you're like where did that come from and it's because you you stopped being on guard in that area and so you got to protect your purity at all costs because that is what the enemy is after He's after the purity, the purity of your faith, the purity of your identity, the purity of your purpose, the purity of your calling, the purity of your family life. Like he is after everything that is pure, everything that is organic, everything that is beautiful in God's eyes. That's what he's after. And so you got to protect that. And so I got a couple of scriptures for you guys um, to share with you. Remember, I've been teaching as well. Um where God, you know, showed me this in a vision where he, and I told you guys before, where he taught me, um, well, rather spoke to me and said, uh, beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees of this time. Part of that was not just about be aware of the religious leaders that are going to be against this ministry and against what God is doing, or, or will try to, you know, um, be false teachers and, and twist things. But it was also about beware of, your surroundings in that in that sense of beware of the tactics that are going to be used to try to come against you. And I remember as I gave in that vision before, and I want to go into too many details, but there were people who were in in my face praying for me. But then when I closed my eyes, trying to snatch things from me, trying to take what's mine, trying to steal something from me. And so God is saying, you got to protect your purity. You got to be on guard at all times. It doesn't mean that we walk around scary. No, it just means that you understand the world you live in. The world you live in is prone to sin. And this is the territory that, that Satan uh, reigns in. He, he, he runs crazy rugged in the area of this world. And so while your intentions may be pure somebody else's intentions may not be and so you got to be on guard for my singles out there just because somebody's smiling in your face that goes for men and women doesn't necessarily mean that they're they are what god has for you just because you met somebody in church or they say they are a believer in god or jesus and you may have met them even on a christian dating app doesn't mean that they really have the heart of god they can be wolves wrapped in sheep's clothing and so you got to be very, very vigilant to protect your purity. And you may ask me how you do that, regardless of what um, sphere you met them in, whether it's a relationship or friendship or co-workership or um, business partner or whatever. You become a fruit inspector. I've been teaching that all season long. You got to become a fruit inspector. Go read Matthew chapter six. You judge by the fruit. That means by the way they're living their life. And sometimes with some people, actually really with all people, you got to see that thing in, in all four seasons. Because somebody may be bright and sunny in the summertime and they got the best attitude and personality because the summer is is uh, warm weather outside. But baby, when that winter time come and that chill hit, you might get a brisk wind of reality check of what they really like. And so sometimes you got to just be patient. And, and just wait, judge. And I don't mean judge in terms of pointing finger. I mean, analyze, observe. Be still enough to let God give you wisdom of discernment to see what you need to see from people because they may not be God's best for you. 
They may not be that person that's really going to be iron sharpening iron. They could be somebody that's coming to jack you up. And I mean that spiritually. I don't mean that physically. I mean spiritually. They could be somebody that's going to come and wreck the work you've been putting on, putting in for yourself. Because I believe that every person under the sound of my voice, you are drawn to this ministry. I didn't go out and recruit you. You're drawn to this ministry because there is something in you that God is working on, that God is developing, that God is helping to heal, that God is helping to um, help you become better and know your identity in him. There is some area that he is reviving in you. And so you're, you've been working on yourself and kudos to you. I mean, let's do an applause for you because, because you've been working on yourself. And that's amazing. But the enemy doesn't like that. And so he's going to try tooth and nail. And and the reason why I can't get off of this topic is because we see this in people. And a lot of times it's in the people that's closest to us that the enemy will use. There's a scripture in Matthew where um, Jesus talks about how your enemies will be even in your own household sometimes. Because you're trying to follow the way and the path of Jesus. You're trying to get your life right. You're trying to heal and do better and be better. You're trying to achieve a goal um, that God has set before you. You're trying to um, revive a part of your life that seemed dead and gone. Whether it's a dream or relationship or your identity or whatever. Like you are doing the work that you need to do on you. And the enemy doesn't like that because he knows that the more you become aware, the more you become better, the more you become less prone to his tactics. And so he's going to fight you tooth and nail to make sure you don't get free. But you got to protect your purity to get free. And know that, again, there are going to be people that will come against you. And so you may say, well, how does this tie into the Kingdom Ambassador series? I'm glad you asked me, baby. It ties into the series because... When God sends us out to make disciples for him, we have to understand that not everybody has done that work on themselves. So while we may have bettered ourselves and we may have done the work on ourselves and God may have revived some areas in our life and we may be full of joy and, and peace and happiness and health and wellness and, and all these things in our life, the people that God... um may have us cross their path or even the people that God may draw to us to receive from us. They may not have, they may not be there yet. And you got to protect your purity enough to be able to minister to them, but not let anything that is in them, um, attack your heart to infect the work that God has done in you. And how you do that is it ties into Proverbs where, where, um, where the Lord says in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23, um, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's protecting your heart by operating in the fruits of the spirit. And I'm not going to go into full detail of Galatians chapter 5, but we learn about the fruit of the spirit um, where part of that is self-discipline, part of that is love and kindness and gentleness. It's operating in the way the Holy Spirit wants you to operate in. Even if the people that are drawn to you or the people that you come across may not be operating in that same spirit. God does not, um, require us to go out to make disciples to only the people that's operating in the same spirit of us, because then you're not discipling anybody. You're not drawing anybody to Jesus. You're not telling and sharing the good news with anybody else that doesn't already know the good news. We're meant to go out to the people that are the lost sheep, the people that God wants to draw back, the people that was once like us. And I don't mean for people to take that and say, okay, well, I meant to go back to my old stomping grounds. Not necessarily. Because again, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes you can go back to your old stomping grounds and it brings out the beast in you. It brings out the worst in you. But it could be that God may send you to some area or somebody or some community where these people you don't know, but they are in a similar situation that you've been in and you have graduated from. And so now you're able to help those people 
that will be able to receive from you. Listen to you because we learn in the scripture text where Jesus, though he's talking about a prophet, but he's talking about in general, that a prophet is celebrated and welcomed everywhere else, but in his own hometown with his own family. And we see that in our lives. I mean, apply it to everyday life. How many of you out there have started a business or you have a skill set or talent um, and your family didn't support it or don't support it? You know, maybe if you're not an entrepreneur and you haven't been operating in your talent yet, but maybe um, growing up, you you were a star football um, player or star cheerleading um, person or or star track and field person and and your parents never came to any of your matches or any of your games um or the people who you wanted to be there your friends or anybody else in your family like were never there to support you but you had many of the people who didn't know you supporting you and cheering you on and rooting for you and high-fiving you and were very happy um for what you did and so we see this um, and it, it's those areas, again, where you got to protect your purity because you can become bitter. You can become hurt when you see that the people who you really want to support you aren't supporting you. But you got to develop. I, I don't like to say this, but I'll say it. You got to develop a thick skin. And it doesn't necessarily mean what the world says a thick skin is of um, developing super strength in in the construct of like, um brute force no i'm not saying that i'm not telling you to you know hold up barriers what i am saying is that um building up thick skin means that though these people say this about you though these people don't support you though these people may talk about you what does god say about you pulling your strength from the lord because that's where the power is going to come from from his holy spirit and so you're pulling your strength from the Lord and talking that and reciting that in every day over your life, re- reciting God's promises over your life. That's how you develop a thick skin so that no matter what somebody says against you, you're like, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but God says this about me. Okay. Yeah. You, you got that to say yes, but it is written, meaning God said this. And so you're combating the lies of the enemy that's trying to um, deter you from your journey, deter you from your path of purity. You are combating that with God's truth. And so let me give you guys some scripture um, before we, you know, get too carried away in time. And then it's like, oh, no, we're out of time. <laughs> um, go with me to. Go with me to um, Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. And we're going to talk about the differences between true and false worship. um, Or like what is considered pure in God's eyes and what is considered impure in God's eyes. And so I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Let me take a sip of water and then I'll start. Um, Okay. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. Now, let me pause for a second to give a little bit of slight backstory. Not too much, but this is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah to tell the prophet Isaiah to share these words with the children of Israel or the Israelites at that time. And so that's what it's, that's why he's saying, um, tell my people Israel it's Isaiah who's writing it because it was given to him by God. And at the time he shared it orally with the people at that time. So let's continue on. They, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. 
It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be delighted. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay, so with this text, as I said before, it's talking about true and false worship. It's about the difference between those who are pure in, in the faith and in their walk and those who are not. If you are pure, you have a different attitude with you. You have a different way about you. And God says it's that purity that really ties into the Holy Spirit, the, the fruits of the Spirit, that you are walking out. You're choosing to control your emotions. You're choosing to operate in the form of love. You're choosing to be kind and considerate. You're choosing to serve even if you're not being served back. You're choosing to show up in areas and ways that are needed in the community, in the world. You're choosing to not oppress people. You're choosing to share what, what you have, the resources that you have, and you're not just trying to you know, storm up for yourself. You're choosing to walk out your salvation in a way that shines light in dark places and shines the light of God in those rooms. But as I said, there are going to be wolves that are going to come and attack you. There are going to be wolves that um, even those that claim to be believers that are not. They are false worshipers. And they may have the aura of it. They may look like it. They may talk like it. They may smell like it. They may say they are believers. But because you judge by their fruit, you become a fruit inspector. You'll realize, oh, wait a minute. Your fruit is rotten. You are really not truly pure. You're really not about this thing uh, called the way of life of Jesus. You're, you're not really about this. You'll see that they have a different heart posture than you do. And when you do see that, it is not for you to um, condemn them in the way of stoning them or, you know, putting curses over their head or shaming them or anything like that. We learned, as I talked before um, a few episodes ago in the Sermon on the Mount, we learned that we want to pray for our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, pray for those who are not awakened to the reality of who God is, pray for those who um, lie on us or, or cheat us or whatever. You got to pray for them so that God not only will deal with them because vengeance is his and he is our vindicator, but also prayerfully, because if they are still God's chosen ones, but they're operating under the uh, illusion of Satan, that God will be able to win them back, but he can't win people back. If we're always giving hatred because we see that Today, and I've seen that in the church growing up where people left the church because they felt like you less welcoming than the bar. 
I got more cheers, more welcome, more congratulations, more smiles, more warmth by walking into the place of sin, the place of iniquity, the the place where thieves are or whatever. Like I got more here doing this way of life that's sinful in God's eyes than I did coming to the church. And so this is why I've been teaching all season long about pure walk in faith. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do everything perfect. No, I've always confessed to you guys. Like I don't always get it right. There are some times where I mess up. I make a mistake, but it's being humble enough that when you mess up, we make a mistake. You repent of your sin to God. And if it's with a person, you go get it right with that person. That means you go apologize. Yeah. Take, take yourself off the throne of your heart because when you have the heart of God and it's pure, you will humble yourself to go apologize and admit your faults, admit your wrong. Seek the person's forgiveness or those people forgiveness. And even if they never give it to you, you have peace in your heart by going to apologize because that peace comes from Jesus. But when you are unwilling to settle your debts, when you are unwilling to apologize, when you are unwilling to forgive, then you are operating in the, the, the sector of a false worshiper. You're not really genuine about this thing. And so God says, I need you to get back to protecting your purity. I need you to get back to purity first of all. And then I need you to protect it at all costs because it's going to govern the course of your life. When you keep your heart pure. It doesn't mean you put the superficial, fake, happy, vibing type of thing we see in the world today. No, it means that you own up to the fact that you are a flawed human being, that you are a sinner in need of a savior. But every day you work at abiding in God's love, abiding and following Jesus's way and teachings. And you implement that into your life so that you are salt and light in the earth. That means you illuminate what you have learned from Jesus. But you also flavor what the Holy Spirit has brought into your life with the conversations you share with people. But we cannot expect to win any lost souls in today's society if you operate in hatred. Even when it comes to anti-Semitism, especially right now during this war. Do you really think that those Israelites who have not awakened to the reality that the Messiah did come and he will come again, that you will win them over by your hatred? No. Do you really think um, a person who is living a different lifestyle than you, a homosexual or um, lesbian, a even a transgender person, do you really think that... These people, even somebody who worships um, false idols, false deities, these other religions that are out here today. Do you really think even an atheist, you're going to win them back by your hatred? No, you're going to make them double down and what they're doing. Because all you're going to do is show them that Jesus is hate and not love. And that's going to make them run away. And it is important for us to stay organic, to, to stay pure, so that we show Jesus wherever we go. So that those who are called by God, and you don't know who's called by God, he does. And so it may be some people from those categories I just said. But it is not for us to shun them or shame them or stone them either. It is for us to love them. This particular scripture that us and John where um you know it talks about a, a woman who's get who gets caught in adultery and as she's caught in adultery um you know these men you know bring her to Jesus and they're like you know uh let's stone her like what should we do how should we handle this because the law says that we should stone her for catching her in her sin now, of course, there are so many things we could break down in that that we're not going to do right now. Because, first of all, how do you know she was caught in her sin if you weren't there peeping Tom? <laughs> but, you know, I digress. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> but, um, you know, and they're like, oh, let's stone her for her sin. And Jesus says, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. And slowly but surely, every person walks away. The same ones who were shaming and ridiculing her 
walk away because they realize, oh, I got my own sin. I got my own skeletons in my closet that I don't want, you know, illuminated or highlighted. And so we all have sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. And we all are in need of a savior. And in us receiving that savior, we have to operate in love when we go out and make disciples. When we go out to be the king's ambassador, even if you are not like, even if that's not your focus, I'm not saying that you go out your house and you're like, I'm going to make a disciple. Yes, that's the goal. No, but I just mean in the way you operate and function every day, the people you come in contact with every day, you have a choice to give them a smile, or give them a frown. You have a choice to say hello or to curse them. You have a choice to show them warmth and love. Or to show them anger, hurt, hatred, and pain. You have a choice. And it's in that choice. It's in that moment where you can even decide to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. And protect your purity. Even if they don't smile back. Even if they don't um, respond happily back to you. Even if they don't um, speak to you. Even if they don't receive you. The choice is still yours. Whether or not you will allow their negativity to taint your inner spirit. Because at the end of the day, when you die, when they die, we all have to give an account to Jesus as to how we lived our life, as to what we did with the time he gave us, as to what words we use. He's not going to ask you about them. You know, it, it's like, um, for an example, if if you're in school, because I know everybody doesn't have children. So if you're in school and uh, or when you were in school, rather, you know, a lot of us have graduated when you were in school and somebody did something wrong and a teacher caught you. Now, granted, you may not have did it or you may have responded and reacted because of somebody doing something wrong. So let's say, for example, somebody was kicking the back of your chair in class. And so the teacher didn't see them kicking the back of your chair, but you finally, you know, did an outburst and spazzed at them, but kicking the back of your chair. And so the teacher gets on you and you like, but but what about them? Like they was doing it. That's that's God. God's the teacher at your end day. When your time is up on this earth, he's not going to ask you about what they did to you. He's going to ask you, how did you respond to them? Because that's the defining factor. It doesn't matter how what they did to you or how they responded to you or how they reacted to you. Even it's on how you responded and you never know how you can win somebody by your response until you give them a negative response. Because I have seen many people who have wronged me, who have um, responded to me in a nasty, angry, aggressive way, who have talked about me like a dirty dog. And it was in my response. Now, I don't always get this right, but I've seen it many times before when I did get it right. It was in my response to choose love and to choose patience and to choose calmness that not only won them over, but won the entire room over. I'll give you an example. Um... You know, I had a, a family gathering recently and somebody in my family responded to me very aggressively about something that had nothing to do with them. And not only did it have nothing to do with them, but I wasn't even paying attention to them because, again, I was in my own zone, in my own conversation with somebody else. And they came up and just spazzed on me. Now, I had a choice to make. In this moment, do I spaz back at you and have a shouting match with you? And plead my case and be my own vindicator and get into a whole argument and, 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 and God forbid it, go into a fist brawl. Like, do I go that way with you or do I protect my purity and decide to remain patient, to remain calm, to remain in peace with Jesus in this moment? And I did the latter. I chose to remain patient and calm and peace, peaceful. Even in my response, I didn't even raise my voice. I didn't even give an attitude. I didn't suck my teeth. I didn't do any of that. I just responded calmly. And though it did not change their attitude, I would love to tell y'all that their attitude changed immediately. And they were like, oh, thank you. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, none of that happened. I never even got an apology. But you know what did happen? Not only did the entire room of people of my family saw how I reacted. But there were other people that even came up to me to say, hey, I just wanted to commend you on the way you handled that. 
Like they were surprised and impressed because I chose to protect my purity, to not allow that person's negativity to infect my heart and then cause me to respond negatively. And so again, you never know how you can win somebody because one of those, um, one of the people that responded to me positively to say, wow, I just wanted to commend you on that. They told me that the next day, <laughs> they didn't even tell me that in the moment or, or, or a few moments after it happened. They told me the next day of just stopping me randomly. Like, Hey, listen, uh, I just want to say to you that I, I did pay attention to what happened last night. And, and I was just like, wow. And all of the way you handled that. And so it, I, I, you never know what, who you can win for Jesus and what light you can illuminate when you choose to operate in a pure way, in a way that's going to honor God. Man may not get it. Man may not even approve of the way you respond, but that's not your job to change man's heart because you don't even have the power to change man's heart. You only have the power to change you because the Holy Spirit has the authority to change your heart, but you have the power to work on changing you. That's it. And so before we go, I want to give you Luke chapter 10. Um, I was kind of teaching on this a little bit the um, in one of the past messages. I want to um, finish this message with the rest of Luke 10 that I wanted to share with you. Because in this message, it's uh, actually titled, Jesus Sends Out His Disciples. And so when he sends the disciples out, he gives them marching orders, but he also warns them in the same way I'm warning you that yes, you're going to go out and you're going to go out amongst people who will not want to hear the gospel. You're going to go out amongst people who do not want your light because the darkness hates the light. We learn that in Matthew chapter five, the darkness hates the light. That's the darkness is Satan. He hates the light. I have seen this in my own life. I've seen people that even that I know that literally will not come near me, won't look my way because there is the light of Jesus in me that just they shun. They they won't say nothing to me. And that's okay. Because it, it's not my job to change their heart. But what I can do is pray for them that one day they won't shun the light, but they will draw near the light. And so this is what Jesus warns them. He warns them, the disciples at that time, but he's also warning us through this word, which is why it's written down because God does not waste words. Every word in the Bible is written for a reason. And it's and it's wisdom that we can extrapolate and apply to our everyday life, which is also something I'm going to be teaching for those that are interested really quickly. Um, uh, pivot real quickly. If you are interested in joining me for my Bible revival course that I'm going to be teaching starting November 4th, you can email me at AndreaGriffinRogers at gmail.com. That's all one word, no um, hyphen in uh, the email address, AndreaGriffinRogers at gmail.com. You can send me an email saying that you're interested and you want to sign up for this course starting November 4th because I'm going to be teaching you how to apply God's word to your life and how to take the fundamental principles that you learn in the Bible and make it real for yourself. So I'm going to, um, you know, really take you on this journey one on one and you'll be able to ask me any questions. You'll also be able to ask my team member um, any questions as well. Um, and so we're, we're here for you. So if you are interested in, in learning more about that and in joining me. Um, in my Bible revival course, you can email me at Rogers at gmail.com. It is free for those that, you know, maybe you're interested, but you're like, well, I don't know if I can afford it. It's free. So you can afford it. <laughs> you just need to, you need the time. You need to make the time. That's it. Um, okay. So back to this. So we see that Jesus, when he sends the disciples out, he doesn't just send them out without any instructions. And he doesn't send them out without a warning either because he knows that they're going to encounter people that are going to come against them. He knows that they're going to encounter people that are going to persecute them. He knows that they're going to encounter people that's going to lie on them or try to hurt them or stone them or whatever. Or to um, encounter people that may pretend that they um, are are believers and warm and loving and inviting and all the while are with a knife behind their back ready to stab them. You never know. And there are going to be people that want to receive the word. And so I love that God never calls us to something without giving us instruction first. Because he doesn't want us to fail. And so um, I'll start reading this again. 
uh, Luke 10, starting at the first verse, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who was in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor any extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home. You know what? Let me pause right here. Okay. I told this before, but I want to just give a, a quick overall. What verse 2 through 4 is saying is that there are many lost sheep out there that God wants to call. That's the workers. But the, the harvest is great. The harvest is the blessing. The harvest is salvation. God has it for everybody. But there are only a few people that ever want it and that ever go after it. And so he's saying the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, in charge of salvation, in charge of the blessings that more workers will be awakened to the reality of who God is, of who Jesus Christ is for themselves and that they'll be willing to get their lives right, repent of their sins and follow the righteous way of living for themselves. He's saying, but you're also going to go out amongst people, as I said earlier, who will not want to hear this, who, who will try to snatch your purity away from you because that's what wolves do. Wolves will attack lambs. They attack sheep. They eat them. And so he's saying, be, be on guard, protect your purity, because you are going to be going out amongst people who will pretend that they're lambs, but they're really wolves. But you're also meant to just be a lamb among the wolves. But unlike a, an earthly lamb, where they just keep their head down grazing at the, um, the grass, you stand guard and protect your heart. You stand guard and be a fruit inspector. You stand guard because you're not an animal. God gave you a mind. He gave you wisdom and he gave you the opportunity to tap into the Holy Spirit to get discernment, to know who's a wolf and who's another lamb. And the lambs are the ones that you're going to receive, going to release the word to. But the wolves will hear it as well. The wolves will try to attack you, but you pray for the wolves because pray that God's will will be done in their life, but also pray that they will repent, that they will one day seek salvation. Because God's um, will is not for anyone to perish. He wants everyone to repent. And so, again, we can't just be amongst the wolves and then treat them as wolves because we're not wolves. We're meant to be lambs. We're meant to be gentle. And then when it says, um, don't stop to greet anyone on the road, because you never know who is on the road, especially at that time, the roads back then were dark because there were no streetlights. You never know. And that ties into Psalms 23 of you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You never know who is there to try to kill you or end your life. And so on the journey to apply to today's time on your journey of life every day, be on guard. Don't stop to greet anyone in an area where you feel unsafe or you feel this inkling in you where God says, keep your mouth closed. And what I mean by that is discernment. There have been times where I have been um, walking in areas or around places or walking past people. And God will say, because they are childs of darkness and God will say, say nothing to them. Don't he would even tell me sometimes cross the street. Don't even walk past them, cross the street. And so I would do that. Um, that's just like, for example, um, you know, because God wants to protect us. But if you think about, um, as I just had this incident this morning with a deer, actually it was two deers. And as I was driving, because um, I tell you guys to go to the gym early, early in the morning. If you've been following the YouTube channel, I talk a lot about the gym. And... Um, it's like four o'clock in the morning, four thirty in the morning. So it's still dark outside. And I didn't notice at the time, but think that I was driving slow enough that there were deer partially in the road. And, um, and the deer were just kind of standing there. And had I not, excuse me, had already been slow, uh, driving slow. And then, you know, pivoted to the other lane, I would have hit the deer. 
And God says, I want to protect you. So there are going to be times where you're going to drive past or walk past or be in a place that seems dangerous, like the deer in the road. But he will cause that danger to either shift away or cause you to get out the road so that you don't get hit. Because we are God's children. We are his ambassadors. And so just like in the earth, any government protects their ambassadors. Especially if their ambassadors are on the assignment that the president or prime minister or king or whatever sent them on. And they're doing their job, which is what we're meant to do. Then the leader protects their ambassadors. And so God will protect us. But he's saying, I need you to be on guard. Don't stop to greet anyone on the road that I have not told you to greet. That I haven't told you to share the gospel with. That I haven't told you to share a smile with or an encouraging word or, or help that person out or whatever. So continuing on the text, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Okay, I'm going to stop here. Because what Jesus is saying here is that I'm going to send you amongst people. There are going to be some that you're going to speak shalom to. You're going to speak peace to. You're going to speak my word to. You're going to show the light. You're going to show the light in you even by a smile or hello or good morning or whatever. And they're going to receive it. And there are going to be others that won't receive it. There are going to be others that are going to attack you. And don't fight them back. You dust your feet or in, in the modern terminology would be. You walk away. You turn the other cheek and lead them to their fate. And, you know, you pray for them as you walk, as you walk away. Because that's what I did. And I do that quite often when I encounter people who don't want to receive the light that's in me. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to argue with you. I encountered this morning, actually, where somebody was like not willing to receive the light. Try to pretend like I wasn't there. It's not my job to sit here and make you uh, recognize me or acknowledge me. No, thank you. And if I'm meant to speak, I still speak. Whether you speak back or not, that, that's not my job. My job is to protect my purity. Because I got to give a test, a testament to my father in heaven as to what I did with my life. What I did with my walk. How I shone his light how I interacted, regardless of how people reacted or or um, acted towards me. You got to give an account. And so I wanted to give you this text because I wanted you to understand that it's about protecting your purity above all else. Because your heart is important. That's where the pureness comes from. The Holy Spirit wants to live in your heart. And you got to guard that thing above all else because it's going to determine the course of your life. It's going to determine how you respond to people. It's going to determine how you walk and talk and think and act. It's going to re- it's going to determine your moves every day and the interactions and relationships that you cultivate and develop and have in your life. It's going to determine it. And so protect your purity on this journey of being a king's ambassador, of being a disciple for Jesus, of being a follower of Jesus at all costs. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you, show you his favor and give you shalom, give you his peace. Take care. Love you guys. Bye now.